0: as hell and i want to get ill so i go to a place where my homeboys chill fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up
1: in the sixfold all right everyone welcome back to another episode of the board as hell podcast i'm adam mcdonald with big shiny robot
0: and i am andy wilson also big shiny robot
1: and you know normally this we when we review things we go worst to first uh but this one we this week we had the same score for both movies so we kind of based it off which one's doing better at the box office? And here's a hint: neither one is doing better, is doing well at the box office.
0: And uh, neither one is really very good. So
1: no. So <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert: You're gonna find out the scores for both movies when we say the score for one of them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this week we're doing the space between uh, and also Rings, which is the third movie in the the Ring horror, I guess, trilogy now. And I'm sure. Well, they may not make a fourth one. Who knows?
0: Uh, uh, they're definitely setting it up for a fourth one and a fifth, so we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. A
1: fifth? Really? They, they, they telegraphed two movies in advance Well, now? I,
0: I don't know. They're, <laughs> but they're obviously trying to make a franchise out of this, so.
1: So, but we'll, we'll get there in a minute, but first, uh, so The Space Between Us. Now, this is the movie that, if you remember, Andy, we were seeing trailers for back, I think it had originally an August release date. Uh, yeah. And I remember they that. And pushing it and all excited about it. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, now it's going to be November. And then it was December. And actually, in December, they did a big screening up here, uh, public screening that they wouldn't let press into. Because uh, I, I was handing out tickets for that. And then they pushed it back again. And now we're finally getting it in February. Uh, because apparently they had some tweaks to do and some rewrites and reshoots. I don't know what they reshot or redid uh, that could have made this movie better because apparently it looks like it made it worse. Um, but it, just to kind of sum this up, so this takes place, um, actually, shortly in the future. Uh, we got Gary Oldman playing Nathaniel Shepard, who is the head of the Genesis program, which is a program put in place to get astronauts to Mars and colonize it. Basically set up, it, like we saw in The Martian. It, this, is the, this is the idiot's version of The Martian that's the easiest way to say it except we're not science are oh, anti-science things, we're things. Oh, wonderful. Um, so <laughs> the astronauts take off they go to mars well two months into the journey we find out that the lead uh, astronaut a- officer janet montgomery played by sarah elliott for all of two seconds uh, is pregnant and she's going to give birth to a baby and they decide hey do we go to mars to go back to earth and they decide hey what's we need. We have all this money invested. We're going to Mars. So sure enough, they get to Mars. She gives birth to a baby boy, and she, guess what happens right after she gives birth?
0: Uh, well, since she's only in it for two seconds, I'm assuming she dies. She
1: dies exactly. But that's again, Boys. you don't. You ever seen a movie? You know this is going to happen. Ugh. She dies. So NASA decides, hey, we're going to cover this up. No one can know about this because uh, it wasn't supposed to happen. I'm not sure why no one can know about it, but you know reasons. Space 16- orphan. Space orphan, yeah. Yes. 16 years later, we're introduced to her son, Gardner Elliott, played by Aza Butterfield. And he's kind of grown up on this space station his whole life on Mars. He's he's working with scientists. He's pretty smart, a little bit nerdy. So he spends his time talking with a young girl on Earth uh, named Tulsa, who's played by Britt Robertson, who we, we've seen before in Tomorrowland, and we liked in Tomorrowland.
0: Yeah, uh, I like she's,
1: her. Yep. She's 17 years old. She's been bounced around foster homes her whole life, kind of distrustful of the system and is about to you know, turn 18 and kind of fall out of the system. So they've kind of become friends online. He tells her that he's stuck in some New York penthouse because he has a weird disease that uh, makes his bones too brittle to go out and function in real life. Well come to find out, as teenagers tend to do, he learns more about his mom, finds out that she uh, was, had a husband and sees this picture of her and his father. So he wants to go to Earth and track down his father. There's a big discussion about whether he should go to Earth or not, because since he grew up on Mars, his bones are less dense than they would be on Earth, and his heart may not be able to handle Earth's gravity. But they decide, hey, we'll do an operation, we'll put these little carbon fibers in your bones, you know, because science, to strengthen them, and then we'll send you to Earth. But once he gets to Earth, he escapes, finds Tulsa, and the two of them take off with all of NASA chasing after him. Uh, so, before he possibly could succumb to Earth's gravity.
0: Will our hearts be able to take the drama and the tension of this movie?
1: I, I hope so. Um, so, <laughs> here, here's the thing with this, is that we talked about Triple X a couple weeks ago. And remember I said that was the dumbest movie I'd seen of 2017? Yeah. This one makes that one look brilliant by comparison. No way. For a movie that tries to rely so much on science and this and that, it's... Everything that happens in the movie is completely anti-scientific, and I'm not trying to be the buzzkill that well oh, I go see movies because I want to, you know, understand things and get, you know, have people with PhDs explain things to me. But when you're all about like how this person who supposedly grew up on Mars, uh, and you know th- their body would be all weird, then suddenly they can talk to Earth via the internet with no delay. <laughs> little, little things like that just keep on popping up, and then when you have this young girl. Tulsa, who magically learns how to fly a biplane that her drunk, oh, yeah. her, her drunk foster father has. Oh yeah, uh, sure. There's that. There's just there's uh, just so much going on with this. And the problem is that the two leads are good. Asa Butterfield does a great job as Gardener, and Britt Robertson's fun as Tulsa. I mean, she's she comes across as a bit too mothering sometimes instead of being like the girlfriend character she's supposed to be.
0: Isn't she, like, 26 at she's this 20, point?
1: Yeah, she's, like, 27. Um, and it Butterfield is, like, 19, 20 or 21, I think, by right now. So they're not <laughs> that far apart in age, and she can play the high school character pretty appropriately. But it's just, there's so many stupid things that pop out like that. Like, you've got this kid who is really, really smart, raised with scientists, and obviously knows a lot about everything, but then freaks the hell out when he sees a horse because he doesn't know what a horse is. Um, I'm pretty sure he took biology on Mars, dude. Uh, yeah, I just—I've never seen a movie work so hard against itself to make itself fail. So I don't know if it was just because there were so many reshoots and you know rewrites, but it feels like they—it's like a Franken movie. They stitch together two or three different types of movies. You've got the science movie of the kid in Mars, you've got the love story on Earth, and then you've got the weird subplot involving um, you know Gary Oldman's character. Who? Oh, and Gary Oldman—I don't know if he owes someone money or a favor, but. This is like Gary Oldman, like, at his most overacting, phoning it in. It's it's almost worth watching just for how bad he is, because we all know how good he is. Yet yeah, nothing works. And then to top it all off, you've got the most overbearing, exceedingly loud, pop tween soundtrack I've ever seen in my life. I mean, this is the soundtrack that if you went to the CW and said, hey, let's put this on Pretty Little Liars, uh, they would turn you down because it's too raucous. I mean, there's just, it's so much going on. <laughs> it's... Oh, and it sucks. I I wanted to like this. It was a cool idea. It seemed interesting, but nothing works. It's the dumbest movie I've seen all year. I mean, there's literally a scene where they're trying to land this biplane because it's low on oil because plot twist or plot moving forward. And they're in the middle of nowhere, so they land in this, like, cornfield, and they're going towards a barn. Now, this is just like a barn with cows in it, okay? It's not like a... they're not on, like, a military base. And they both jump off the plane... And the moment the plane hits the barn, it blows up like a Michael Bay Transformers movie. Yes. And I was sitting there with our, our friend Brooks, and I leaned over, <laughs> I knew it was gonna happen. I'm like, if this if this barn blows up with a huge fireball, I'm out. And then not two seconds later, it did that. And this that what I just said, it, if this happens, I'm out. I said that about five times throughout this movie. Uh, <laughs> even with a <the> stupid <laughs> twist at the end, which made no damn sense and was just really, that's that's what you're gonna have your moment be. and then oh, I can just keep on going on like the absolute worst zero gravity effects like you could almost see the wires holding people up it's that bad yeah so again Asa Butterfield and Britt Robertson and Gary Oldman you're way too good for this I don't know why the hell you're in this movie Uh, four stars out of ten it's just not good don't go see it maybe red box it and get really drunk and rip it but this considering how long we had to wait for this and how much they pushed it back unless you're a dream, a dream. What I dreamy tween. There's nothing to see here.
0: Speaking of how long we've had to wait for things, <laughs> remember, remember when the Ring came out? When, when was that? Was that 2002? Fifteen years ago?
1: Yeah, I remember when my buddy Garrett and I went and saw. It. We were huge horror nuts, and we were excited as hell to go see that movie, and it scared the crap out of us.
0: Yeah, I I rather liked the first Ring. I I vaguely remember the second one. I think I've seen it. But I couldn't tell you a thing that happens in that movie. It's like, oh, there, there's more of the videotape that kills people. Uh, but yeah, I, I, loved the first one. I thought it was great. This is the attempt. Uh, like all things in Hollywood, if it moves, remake it. <laughs> so uh, I guess they, they figured, oh, here's here's a thing that's not that old. Well, let's let's try and pull that out. So our movie opens. With a white knuckled guy sitting on a commercial airliner uh, flying above Seattle. And uh, he's like, Have you heard about this videotape that kills people? Well, I watched it seven days ago, but no way that's real, right? And then uh, another girl's like, Did you make a copy? Did, did you make a copy? And then, of course, the plane crashes. And yeah, it's horrible. Uh, the, the first of one of, you know, a- actually some legitimate scares and creepiness. Um, to to try and set you back into this universe. And then the movie kind of goes downhill from there. What we have is a... uh, We have a college professor, played by Johnny Galecki, who, I mean, I understand he plays a college professor on The Big Bang Theory, (laughs) but you actually see him in front of a bunch of kids in a, a college classroom, and you're like, no way that guy's the teacher. I don't believe that guy's the teacher. <laughs> but uh, Johnny Galecki's been doing some naughty things with the ring tape. He he found a copy uh, on an old VHS tape, and he has been running the world's worst scientific experiment and multi-level marketing scam in the history of scientific experiments and multi-level marketing scams where he is taking his students and he is making them make a copy and watch the, watch the tape and then 10, 12 hours before their seven days are up, they find someone else and have them make a copy and, and continue the cycle and uh, then they're running experiments in some weird, locked down college lab that looks like, when it's not being used as a college lab, also houses the world's worst rave and skate park. Which I, I don't know what is going on. So, is this with like this. the
1: lair they used in the first uh, Ninja Turtle remake?
0: Yes. It's like <laughs> there's black lights and like rave music and like people are kind of partying. And I'm like, what, what what the heck is going on here? Anyway, of course, things go awry. And our main characters, there's a guy and a girl. Their names are Holt and Julia. And Holt is has gone away to college and he's been recruited into this thing. And his 12 hours are about to come up. Uh, His girlfriend hasn't heard from him in over a week and so comes to try and find him and finds out what's going on. And, of course, she makes a copy and watches it in order to save her boyfriend. And then they start on a quest to go find out what's happened with Samara. Because when Julia goes to make a copy and have someone else watch it, the file is now uncopyable and magically, there are new images in the video of Samara that uh, have never been there before. And the file size has expanded, and there's more to the mystery. And so, of course, they go on a quest to,
1: to
0: to go on and find more. Now, the best part about the original ring was it was this mystery. There was a ticking clock, and you wanted to find out about what was going on with creepy little Samara, and you had your main character trying to find all of this out as an investigative journalist, and it's very interesting. And, and she goes and she finds Brian Cox, uh, who was uh, Samara's foster father, and he kind of explains a lot of what's going on. Uh, in this movie, we've switched out the Brian Cox role for Vincent D'Onofrio, who also seems to know about uh, Samara and what's going on with her. And there's a lot of creepy stuff that ends up happening with that. Um, there's some elements here that are okay. In the last five minutes, though, it becomes very clear what they're doing is this is not only a a reboot, but this is their attempt to make more of these. That they, they definitely want to make more Ring movies. And that's kind of the problem, because it doesn't, for all of their attempts to inject more into the story of Samara, the creepy girl in the video that will kill you, it really doesn't add that much more to the story, other than to find out a little bit more of her backstory. Most of it just doesn't really work, and it's it's alternately creepy, but boring. There isn't the same sense of tension that I got in the first ring, which is what I thought it did best, is uh, with that ticking clock, and you have that very real sense of time going on, and like, oh, she's got to find out what happens because she only has seven days. I have no idea about the passage of time in rings. They, they do nothing to telegraph what's going on and then just random things happen and uh, it's it's scary and spooky but it's not really cohesive and it's just a low budget attempt to revitalize this franchise and and see if they can make a bunch more of these little movies for 8 to 10 million dollars put them out and make and make 30 40 50 million dollars because that's that's what you do with low budget horror no, what what you really do with low budget horror is you make a movie like It Follows, and while it, there there are problems with It Follows, yes, the last that, fifteen minutes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but at least it was an interesting concept and it it was done fairly well, um, and there wasn't a point where I ever really felt like I was super bored or where I felt like it let up in terms of its intensity this movie it was like always clear oh well they're gonna they're gonna find their way out of this and there just wasn't that sense of of tension or them not being safe
1: well it's weird too because I was looking at the I I just just looked at the synopsis on on Wikipedia while we were looking over things just to I, I see how they ended I'm not gonna say how because that is kind of the big twist of the end but yeah I'm kind of wondering like you mentioned they want to do sequels well the way this kind of wraps up, it's, is everyone dead <laughs> as in the sequel or what? I mean, there's, it, it just feels that there's a, I don't know, like they kind of wrote themselves in the corner and did, well, this could be a fun idea, let's go with it, and then didn't think about the consequences as far as how they would take this franchise forward if, in fact, we do get, you know, a fourth movie.
0: Exactly. Well, and that was the problem with with this whole conceit to begin with, and why I'm comparing it to Johnny Galecki running a multi-level marketing scam, where it's like, why in the world would you do this? Why in the world would you say, hey, I have an idea. Here's this videotape that kills you, but here's the twist. If you make a copy and show it to someone else, then she won't. Well, what if we just get a bunch of people to make a bunch of copies and share it with a bunch of people? How terrible is that? Yeah, I I wish they would have... Explored that morality better in the same way that it follows, kind of tries to inject that sense of morality, making it a sort of cautionary tale about uh, chastity and STDs. Even though that's that's not exactly what it is, but the the overtones are there in, in the same way that that sexual politics are inje- injected into Halloween. Yeah. Um, you could have done something interesting with that idea, but instead it, it, it's it 's just ham fisted and and stupid and it not thought out at all at all and and the filmmakers and the characters in the film obviously are not thinking about the consequences of their actions and what they 're doing and it just why why would you do this well because we have to have another ring sequel because we think people will go and see this well and they're right they they didn't spend a lot of money on this movie and they're going to make all of it back and more so uh lesson learned hollywood's going to keep <laughs> doing this this kind of thing which is uh which is sad so i mean that's why we're going to get another uh, wreck movie. We're going to get another sinister movie. We're going to get we're going to get another Paranormal Activity movie. I mean, we're, they're they're just going to keep churning these out until people stop watching them. But there's always a market for tiny niche horror where everyone will go see it. And as long as you don't spend a whole lot to make it, you can make it back.
1: Well, that's so. how we keep getting the well <clears throat> the The Conjuring is actually one that stands apart because those movies are freaky um, and. Genuinely creepy. The problem is, though, is that you end up with these stupid spin off films like we've had Annabelle, which was horrible. <laughs> and then you've the got The Creepy Doll. <laughs> yeah, and again, done right, you can make an excellent horror movie on a small budget. You mentioned already Halloween. I mean, one of the classics yeah. of all time had a very, very small budget, but you also had a director who knew what he was doing. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, but yeah, The Conjuring does stand up there as movies that are genuinely creepy that don't rely on lazy jump scares and actually give you a sense of fear and dread without going over the top uh but yeah like horror movies they're they're easy to make they're quick to make and like you said if you spend you know this one i think cost what 25 million dollars so you figure you'll make that back in three or four weeks and yeah there you go you've you've got a hit on your hands so
0: yeah and 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 that's all they're they're going to care about. So that's too bad. The, the one thing that they do kind of do is one of the things that I've found with like the Freddy movies and the Jason movies, going back to Nightmare on Elm Street and and Friday the 13th, there's a part of you that kind of roots for Freddy and Jason. <laughs> you kind of want to see like these kids get killed in horrible ways. And there's a, a little bit where you almost start to feel like, oh poor Samara, we understand why her life was so, so tragic and how she was so abused and why she's why she's murdering people because the world was so cruel to her. And but yeah, no. <laughs> By the end of the movie it's just like, yeah, no, she's evil. And yeah. and there's there's really no forgiving any of this and it's it's too bad that they couldn't turn that a little bit they it's like they had a glimpse where they said we might be able to do this and they almost did it and and then they like went totally the other direction and and made it and made it something else and it was too bad and, well, and that was a... the last five minutes. That was the the how they ended it. So,
1: and that's how they did with the new the the Nightmare on Elm Street remake uh, reboot. I guess you could say uh, was because the whole thing is that Freddy was this child molester, and the parents banded together and murdered him, and that's why you know he's this vengeful ghost. Well, the the reboot pulled, was pulling the whole thing is like well maybe he was innocent and he was framed for his crimes, so that's why he's coming back trying to kill the the children of the of the people who who killed him, you know, uh, mm-hmm. unjustly, and that's a fantastic idea, let's go with that, that's, that gives you a sense of, yeah, this is a horrible person, or this ghost, or this demon, or whatever, is, is doing horrible things, but you can understand it, because there's that humanity there, that makes them, un, you know, that you can see why they be, <laughs> why they'd be pissed off, but then just like you said with this one, it's revealed that, oh no, the whole time all along, he, he was doing those horrible things, and, uh, so, He's just he's just a bastard. Like, well, then don't do that plot line. Don't even lead us down that red herring path if you're just going to be like, oh, no, this is what... He really was that person. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. And it, you mentioned how you kind of root for, for Freddy and Jason and stuff. And if you look at the first... Well, I'd say with Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, and then with uh, Friday the 13th, the first two at least, I mean, those were generally, genuinely scary movies where, no, you weren't rooting for them. Like they, yeah. they scared the hell out of you. And it wasn't until oh, yeah, you totally. got... Well, that all of a sudden, like, they started learning, like, oh, people like it that Freddy has one-liners and, you know, welcome to primetime, bitch, and all those things like that. That's when it became almost a caricature of the character. And it wasn't until with Nightmare, at least until New Nightmare, that they made the whole series scary again and tried to bring it back to its roots. And that's kind of what they did with the the last Friday the 13th as well. But... Yeah. Yeah, I, I, hate, I hate nothing more than being led down a false path just to be like, oh, no, you know... <laughs> We were kidding the whole time. It's like, that's almost as bad as the whole, like, oh, it was all a dream scenario.
0: Yeah, and, and this movie is full of all of those. But, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio and Johnny Galecki, it, mm-hmm. as evil as Samara is, they were more evil. And so uh, they get what they deserve. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my, my rating, four out of ten. So, <laughs> you yeah.
1: probably forgot we said that earlier. But, yeah, that's your... That's irritating. So this week, blech, don't go see anything. Go back. Go watch Rogue One again. Um,
0: no, you know, a lot of the, um, a lot of the Oscar movies are, back are in out theaters, in theaters. Yeah. So go check out La La Land. Go check out Hidden Figures. Go check out Fences. Do not go see Hidden Fences. That's not a movie, white people.
1: Are you <laughs> they serious? Are, they're Is that trending movies. right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh God. <laughs>
0: been trending ever since the Golden Globe since no one could remember that hidden figures and fences were in fact different movies oh yeah that that movie with uh with octavia spencer and and Denzel Washington <laughs> nope the, the two different movies, two different movies no,
1: Addel no, so yeah he, he
0: he's a garbage man and and she works for NASA no no <laughs> two different movies.
1: Uh, we call to... that casual racism, friends.
0: Um... Uh, as well as La La Land, we also call that casual racism. Oh no, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> hey, John Legend I'm... was in that. <laughs> uh...
0: I'm just I'm just giving La La Land a hard time because that's because that is the funnest thing I have to do right now. Is La La Land is a great movie, and I can't decide whether I agree more with the people who think that it's overrated, and the people who think it's racist, or the people who really really like it. And I just like watching them fight and stirring the pot. So that's all and I'm see, doing. I
1: do. I don't read or respond to comments on Facebook, so I'm none of, I'm not involved <laughs> in that whatsoever.
0: <laughs> no, you you never respond to comments on Facebook.
1: No, no. Well, <laughs> sometimes I do if it's if they're constructive comments, but yeah. um, I, that's why I have I have my own rebellion page for that kind of fun stuff. Th- um,
0: that's right. But I mean, actually, but that's we... that's my suggestion: is people should go. And find those movies and check them out. Uh, and a lot of them are on Netflix and Amazon now, too. So so go watch them.
1: Yeah, check those out. And then it's... Well, actually, I think in the next week or two, we'll be doing our kind of Oscar predictions uh, episode. Probably maybe maybe even next week because it's, it's coming up pretty close. Uh, which gets me into my conundrum now because originally I was rooting like crazy for uh, Lin-Manuel to win the, the Oscar for his work with Moana. Because that would put him that much closer or he would get his PGOT.
0: He would get his peegot, Yeah.
1: Well, the problem now is that my new favorite musical, Dear Evan Hansen, opened, and I found out that they're, uh, the writers, the composers for that musical wrote the lyrics for uh, City of Stars from La La Land.
0: Ah. And
1: this is the one that's now posed to win... You know the Oscar, the, you know the Tony. It'll win a, a Grammy next year, so they'll be that much. If they win this, they're three fourths of their way to an EGOT. So now it's like, well, crap. Which one do I, which one do I root for now?
0: <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, I kind of feel like they didn't nominate the songs that I thought should have gotten nominated, which was "Drive It Like You Stole It" from Sing Street. Mm-hmm. But since they haven't done that anything from moana or la la land is worthy just don't give it to that effing sting song i don't uh, Who oh, I thought you were gonna say the put justin timberlake
1: there.
0: song <laughs> eh, the just it, look the justin timberlake song is there because everyone wants to see justin timberlake on the oscars broadcast that's the only reason it's on there no that's fine it's not gonna win it's gonna be it's gonna be city of stars the audition or we know the way yeah and and any or excuse me um how far i'll go uh yeah how far i'll go and any of those are good so i'm i'm happy with any of those
1: cool so that's that's it for this week uh next we've got the because no one demanded it 50 shades darker uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, some
0: people demanded it and those people
1: should be punished. I'm,
0: I am judging you. <laughs> <laughs> not silently, <laughs> I am definitely just judging you. No,
1: they should be punished and not how they want to, the way the movie portrays it, like in real life with a real whip. Um no. and then we've got the uh the Lego Batman movie, which I think we've <ometown��> been excited for ever <rehearse> <overtaken them> since they introduced Batman in the first Lego movie, so Batman uh- yeah, so hopefully you'll have, <laughs> hopefully we'll have two movies that are exact opposite sides of the scale. One we can hate on, and one we can we can gush about. But uh, will
0: if you if you want to blow an eight year old's mind, do what I did this week, which was tell my kid that the father from a series of unfortunate events is Lego Batman, and the mother is Maria Hill from the Avengers. What? <laughs> what? That's Batman? Yeah, that's Lego Batman. Listen to his voice. What? No way. So really excited for Lego Batman. Hopefully we'll have nice things to say about it next week.
1: Yeah, I've, I've got a feeling we will. It looks like it's in good hands. So, But uh, yep. yeah, you'll find out next week. So until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk tripping, but it's all right. Homey scored a key, he's gonna fly, punk ass fly.